Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Chapter 8. A slight hit. The, the Hitchhiker's book Guide to the Galaxy is a wholesomely remarkable book, being compiled and recompiled many times but over many years. And under many different editorships, it contains contributions from countless numbers of travellers and researchers. Your introduction begins like this. Space, it says. It's big. Really big. You wouldn't believe how vastly, hugely, mind-boggling big it is. I mean, if you think it's a long way down the road to the chemist, there's just peanuts to space. Listen, and so on. After a while, the soil settles down a bit and begins to tell you things you really need to know. Like the fact that the fabulously beautiful planet Birthstone is now worried, so worried about the concluding erosion of 10 billion visiting visitors a year that, you, that any net imbalance between the amount you eat and the amount you excrete whilst on the planet is surgically removed from your body weight while you leave. So every time you go to the lavatory, it's very vitally important to get a receipt. To be fair enough, though, well, when confronted by the sheer enormity of distances between space stars, Better minds than the ones responsible for the guy's introduction have faltered. Some invite you to consider it for a moment and peanut and peanut in reading a small walnut in, in reading a small walnut in Jordanberg such other dizzy concepts. The simple truth is that in any spare distance it will not fit into the human imagination. Every light which travels so far it takes you to most journeys thousands of years Realise when it travels at all, makes time to journey between the stars. It, may, it takes eight minutes for the star soul to the place where the Earth used to be, and four years before to ride the soul's nearest planetary neighbour, Alpha Poxia. For light to reach the other side of the galaxy, to reach Douglas Graham, for instance, then takes rather longer, 500,000 years. record for hitchhiking this distance was just under five years, but... You don't get to see very much on the way. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy says, if you hold a lung full of air, you can survive a total vacuum of space for around 20 seconds, 30 seconds. However, if it goes to say that you reach space, being mind-boggling size it is, chances of getting picked up by another ship with 30 seconds to two are two to the power of 267,609 to one against. By a totally staggering coincidence, it was the same. Also, the telephone number of innocent and flat, where Arthur once met, went to a good, very good party to met a very nice girl whom he totally failed to get off with. She went off with great pressure. Though there's planet Earth and Island flat and the telephone number have now all been demolished, it's comforting to reflect that in some small way commemorated in the fact that 29 seconds later, Arthur and Ford and Arthur were rescued. Chapter 9. A computer chatted to itself and its, to its alarm as it noticed an airlock open and closed itself for no apparent reason. This was because reason was in fact out to lunch. A hole had just appeared in the galaxy. It was exactly an effort a second along. An effort of an inch wide and quite a lot of a million year light. Years from end to end. It closed up a lot of papers, hats and party blues fell out of it. And it drifted off through the universe. A team of seven three foot high market says fell out of it and died. 
partly of situation and partly of surprise. 235,000 lightly fried eggs fell out of it too, materializing a large woolly heap on a famine-stracked land of Pugly in the supposed system. How Pugly tribe had died out from the famine, so from one last man who died of cholesterol poisoning some weeks later. Enough in an excellent the second in which the whole existed, reverberated backwards and forwards for a time. In the most improbable fashion, somewhere in the deeply remote past, it seriously tremorized the small round of goat of atoms drifting through the empty serenity space and made them cling together in the most extraordinarily unlikely patterns. These patterns quickly learnt to copy themselves. This was part of the, that was so extraordinary of the patterns and went on to cause massive trouble on every planet they drifted to. That was how life began in the universe. Five wild Event metastorms, thrown in vicious storms of unreason, and spilled up on the pavement. On the pavement lay full prefect and Arthur Dent quibbling like half spent fish. There you are, gasped Ford, scribbling for a finger hold on, on the pavement as he raced through Third Reich of the Unknown. Reach of the Unknown. I told you to think of something. Sure. Oh, sure, said Arthur. Sure. But I don't mind, said Ford, to pick. Find a passing spaceship, get risked by it. The yeah, Phil's universe arched slickly away beneath him. Various pretend ones fitted silently like a mountain goat's premium, like exploded, spattering space time as the goblets of junket. Time blossomed, matter shrank away. The higher prime number collided it quietly in the corner. And hid itself away forever. Oh, do come off it, said Arthur. The chances against it were over astronomical. Don't knock it. It worked, said Ford. What sort of ship are we in? asked Ford, as at the pit of the eternity yawned beneath them. I don't know, said Arthur. Said Ford, I haven't opened my eyes yet. Nor have I, said Arthur. The universe jumped, froze, quivered, and splashed out in several unexpected directions. Arthur and Ford opened their eyes and looked in considerable surprise. Good God, said Arthur, it looks like the seafront at South End. How unbelieved is it you say that, said Ford. Why? Because I thought I was going mad. Perhaps you are. Perhaps we all thought. Perhaps only thought I said it. Ford thought about this. Why, did you say it, or didn't you? he asked. I think so, said Arthur. Well, perhaps we're going both going mad. Yes, said Arthur. We're mad, all things considered, to think it was at South End. What do you think about this? What do you think this is, South End? Oh, yes, so do I. Therefore, it must be, therefore we must be mad. Nice day for it. Yes, said a passing maniac. Who was that, said Arthur. Who? The, ma- the man with five heads and Elbury bush of, of kippers. For Richard Kippers, yes. I don't know, just someone. Oh, they both sat on the pavement and watched with a certain unease as a huge child bounced heavily along the sand with wild horses, thundered through the sky, so, f- fresh supplies of reinforced railings of uncertain areas. You know, said Arthur, with a strange co- slight cough, if this is South End, there's something very odd about it. You mean the way the sea stays steady and the buildings keep washing up and down? He said, Yes, I thought it was a bit odd too. In fact, he continued, 
as a huge bang self and split itself into six equal segments of darts that span goodly round each other in a lurid, lightest formation. There's something altogether very strange going on. Wild yelling noises of pipes and strings seared through the wind. Hot doughnuts popped out of the road for ten pence each. Horrid fish stormed out of the sky, and half of four decided to make a run for it. They plunged through heavy walls of sound, mountains of aberrant fault, valleys of mood music, bad shoe sessions, and footing, footling birds, and suddenly heard a girl's voice. It sounded quite a sensible voice, but it, it just said, Two to the power one, hundred thousand to one against and falling. That was all. Fools skidded down the beam of light and span round trying to find the source of the voice. But, but it could he see nothing? He could see nothing. He thought he could seriously believe it. What was that voice? shouted Arthur. I don't know, you old fool. I don't know. Sound like a measure of probability. Probability? What do you mean? Probability, you know, like two, two, like two to one, three to one, five to four to five against it. Said two for the power of three, one thousand to one against. That's pretty improbable, you know. Million gallon fat custard upended itself. Over the over them without warning. What does that mean? cried Arthur. What the custard? That a measurement of probability. I don't know. I don't know at all. I think we're some kind of spaceship. I can assure you, said Arthur, this is not a first class of compartment. But bugles appeared in the fabric of space time. Joint ugly bugles. Ha ha said Arthur, as he felt his body suffering and bending in the unworldly directions. South ends to be melting away. The stars are swirling about a bowl. My legs are drifting off into the sunset. My my left arm's come off too. A frightening thought struck him. Well, he said, how am I going to operate my digital watch now? He wound his eyes desperately around for intervals for action. Fold, he said, you're turning into a penguin. Stop it. Again came the voice. Two to the power of thirty-seven thousand to one against the falling. Ford waddled around in his pond in a furious circle. Why, hey, how are you? He crept. Where are you? What's going on? Is any kind of way of stopping it? Perhaps, please relax, said the voice presently, like a stewardess on an airline, with only one wing and two engines, one of which is on fire. You are perfectly safe. But that's not the point, raged Ford. The point is that I'm a perfectly safe penguin. My coggly here is rapidly running out of limbs. It's all right. I'll get them back now, said Arthur. Two to the power of five, three thousand and one against. I'm falling, said a voice. Admittedly, said Arthur. They're longer than I usually have like, like them. But isn't there anything, Scott Ford, or Navy Fury, you feel you ought to be telling us? The voice cleared its throat. A giant petite four blobbered into the distance. Welcome, said the voice, to the starship Heart of Gold. The voice continued. Please do not alarm, it said, by anything you hear, hear around you. You are bound to feel some initial ear effects. You've been rescued by a certain death of improbability level of two to the power of two hundred and sixty-seven thousand to one against, probably much higher. We're now cruising at a level two to the power of twenty-five thousand to one. Against the falling, we are we will be restoring normality just as soon as we are.
be sure why what he's done anyway. Thank you. Two to power adventure One against so fully the voice cut out. Ford were in a luminous pink cubicle. Ford said widely saying, Arthur, he said, This is fantastic. We've been picked up by a ship powered by the wind property drive. This is incredible. I've heard rumours about it before. They were officially denied. But they must have done it. They built an property drive. Arthur, this is Ar- Arthur. What's happening? Arthur jammed himself against the door to the cubicle, trying to be behind the hold it closed. Was, but it was still fitting. Tiny Fury get their hands were squeezing themselves through the cracks. Their fingers were ink stained, and the voices clattered instantly. Insanely, Fold looked up. Arthur looked up. Fold, he said, "Is an infinite number of monkeys outside who want to talk about the scripted Hamlet they worked out." Chapter Ten. Infinity. Property drive is a wonderful new method of crossing vast instead of distances and a meager nothing of the second. Without any ten years mucking about in hyperspace, it was discovered by a lucky chance and developed in a government form of population by the Gugli Research Government Research Team on Dagagon. This briefly is the story of its discovery. The principle of generating small amounts of infinite property by simply hooking up the logic systems of Brindlebury 57 megabyte brain to an anatomic vector plotter should send it in a small, strong, bubbling mountain pool and says a nice opportunity. Well, of course, well understood, and mount generators were often used to break the ice at parties by making them molecules in the hydrostasis undergarments. Kept the similarity one foot to the left in the accordance to the theory of invincibility. Many respected physicists said they weren't going to stand for this, partly because it was a there's a date based of science, but mostly because they didn't get invited to get those sort of parties. Another thing they didn't understand was their potential failure they encountered. In trying to construct a machine that couldn't generate an infinity probability field, they needed to flip a spaceship across the mind paralyzing distances between the furthest stars and the end. And in the end, they promptly announced that such a machine was virtually impossible. Then one day, a student who had left to sweep up the lab off a particularly unsuccessful party found himself reasoning this way. He thought to himself if such a machine was virtually impossible, it must be logically being found improbable. So, I have to do in order to make one to work out exactly how improbable it is. Feed it, the figure into infinite probability during the night. Give, a fre- give it a fresh cup of really hot tea and turn on. He did this and rather started to discover that he managed to create a long sought after golden infinity probability generator out of thin air. It started him even more when he just after he was awarded a Galactic Prize for extreme cleverness, he got lynched by a rampaging mob of respectable physicists who finally realised that one thing they really didn't, couldn't stand was a smart ass. Chapter 11. The improperly proof control covering of the Heart of Gold looked like a perfectly conventional spaceship, except it's perfectly clean because it's so new. Some of the control seats has 
had the plastic wrapping taken off yet. The cabin was mostly white, oblong, and about the size of a smallish restaurant. In fact, it wasn't perfectly oblong. It wasn't perfectly oblong. The two long walls were raked into round into a slight parallel curve. All angles and cut corners were contorted in a great big deal smaller, simpler and more practical to build in the cabin as a only three-dimensional oblong room. But the designers would get miserable as this got miserable as it as it as it was the cabin looked certainly purposeful with large video screens ranged over the control guidance systems, panels and concrete wall. Long banks of computers sat in the convex wall. In one corner, a robot got sat humped in its gleaming brush steel head banging loosely between its beaming brush steel nails. It's fairly new, but it thought it was becoming beautifully constructed and polished. But in it somehow looked as it was various parts of its fat of its more or less human body doesn't quite properly fit in properly. In fact it fitted perfectly well, but something in it buried suggested that it might have fitted better. See fit bail box placed nervously up and down the cabin brushing his hands over pieces of gleaming equipment, giggling with excitement. Trillian sat hunched, a clump of instruments reading of figures. A voice was carried away around the turning system of the whole ship. Five to the power, five to one against and falling, she said. Four to one against and falling. Three to one, one to one, two, one. Property factor to one. We are normal, we are normal, have normality. I repeat, we have normality. She turned her mic off and then turned it back on with a slight smile of continuing. Anything you can't cope with in there, therefore, it's your own problem. Please relax. You will soon, you'll be, we will send for it. We will send for, you'll be sent for soon. She felt burst into noise. Who, who, who are they, Trillian? Trillian spanned her, spanned her seat around her face and shrugged. Just a couple of guys who seem to have picked up an open space. She said, Section Z9, Z, plural, Z Alpha. Yeah. Well, that's sweet, thought Trillian, complained Trifa, but no, you really think it's wise to understand it, I mean. Like we have uh, on a run and everything. We must have the police on half the galaxy after us. Or now, we stopped to think and pick up light chargers. Okay, so 10 out of 10 for style, but minus 7 million for good thinking, yeah? He tapped inwardly at the coal channel. Trillian quietly moved his hand before he tapped everything important. Whatever truthful qualities of mind might include, dash, reality concept, he was mechanically inept and would easily blow the ship up. With an excellent gesture. Exaggerant gesture. Trillian had come to suspect that the main reason he had such a wild and successful life is that he could never really assert the significance of anything he did. See, Floyd, she said patiently, they are floating unprotected over space. You wouldn't want them to die, would you? Well, you know, no, not as such, but... Not as such. Not die as such, but... Trillian cocked her head to one on side. Well, maybe 
someone else could have picked them up later. Second later, they would have been dead. Yeah. You say you're taking the trouble to get think about a problem in a bit longer if you had gone away. You'd been happy to let them die. Well, you know, not happy. It's not such, but... Anyway, said Trillian, turning back, looking, turning back the control. I didn't pick them up. What do you mean? Who picked them up? The ship did. Huh? The ship did it all by itself, huh? What? Whilst we were in probability drive? But that's impossible. Oh, Zephyr, just very probable. Ah, oh, yeah. Look, Zephyr, she said, patting her arm. Don't worry about the aliens. A couple of guys, I suspect. I've sent the robot down to get them. And bring them up here. Hey, Melvin, in the corner, the robot's head swung up sharply, then wobbled around imperfectly. It pulled itself up to its feet, about five pounds heavier than it always was. Actually, it was a made that, uh, made outside the verbal would have thought it was there. Effort across the room, it stopped in front of Trillian and seemed to stare through, through her left shoulder. I think you ought to know I'm feeling very depressed. He said the voice was sat low and help, helpless. Oh, God, oh, God, muttered. Seaford slumped into his seat. Well, said Trillian, in a bright, compassionate tone, here's something to go up and keep your mind off things. It won't work, said Trillian. I'm exceptionally mild mind. Marvin, warned Trillian. All right, said Marvel. What do you want me to do next? Go down to the number two battery bay and bring back the two aliens. Here under, up under, here, up here under surveillance. With microscopic spools and funny calculating multi-collision a pitch and turned by nothing, you could actually take offence that Marvin managed to convey his utter contempt and horror of fatal things human. Just that, he said. Yes, said Trinity, firmly. I won't enjoy it, said Marvin. Ziva leapt out his feet. He's not asking you to enjoy it, he said, shouting. Just do it, will you? All right, said Marvin, but toddling in the back. Jeffrey looked at her seat. She's not got you she's not asking you to enjoy it, he said. Just do it, will you? All right, said Zoe when toddling with my crap pal. I'll do it. Good, Stafford. Thank you. Great, thank you. Robert turned, lifted his flat bottom triangular red eyes towards him. I'm not getting you down at all, am I? He said perfectly. Oh no, Ma- oh no, Marvin. Noted Trillian. That's just fine, literally. Really. I, I wouldn't like to think I'm getting you down. No, don't worry about it. That late continued. You might actually comes naturally, and everything will be, just be fine. You sure you don't mind? Proud up, uh, Marvin. No, Marvin. No. Totally genuine. It's that's just fine. We're just part of life. Marvin flashed an enormous electronic look. Life said, Marvin. Don't talk to me about life. He turned helplessly to his hip on his heel and le- luggage t- lunged towards 
out himself out of the cabin with a satisfied hum and a click on the door close behind him. I don't think I can stand that robot much longer, Zephyr said, gradually. Psychopathic effort defines a robot of mechanical apparatus designed to work of a man. Vision, reoccurring division of the serious cybernetic corporation defines a robot as your passive power is fun to be with. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy defines the marketing division of the serious cybernetic corporation as a bunch of minus jerks who first against the wall when the revolution comes. In fortnight to the fact that the editors will become applicants with welcome applications from anyone interested in taking over the post of an electronic correspondence. Curiously enough, in addition to the second pregnant had a good fortune to fall through a time warp for a thousand years in the future. We find the marketing division of super so rich conversion is a bunch of modest jerks who were first against the war when the revolution came. Part pink a wrinkled out resistant, the monkeys had sunk back into the better dimension. Fred and Arthur found themselves in the barksman area of the ship. It was rather smart. I think the ship's brand new, said Thor. I think this suit's a brand new one, said Phil. How do I, how can you tell? Have you got some sort of exotic device for measuring age of metal? No, I just found a sales brochure lying on the floor. It's a lot of universe can be yours. Stuff, like your stuff. Oh, look, I was right. Paul jabbed up one of the papers that showed it to Arthur. It says, sensitively new, breaking in property physics. As soon as the ship's drive reaches of infinite property, it passes through every point in the universe. Be the envy of every major government. Ah, wow, this is big league stuff. Hint, fold, hundreds of cycling through the technical spe- specs of the ship, occasionally grasping with astonishment what he read. It's clearly scholastic astronomical technology moved ahead during the years of his exile. Arthur listened to some sort of, well, not being able to understand the vast majority of what Ford was saying. He began to lay in my wonder. Trying to use her fingers along the edge of the incompressible computer bank, he reached out and pressed an inviting large red button on the nearby panel. Panel, up, panel lit up with the word, please do not press the button again. You shook it yourself. Listen, said Phil. We're still engrossing the sales brochure. They have a big thing on skip, ships cybernetics. New generation of Sailor Cybernetics Corporation robots consists a new GPS feature. GPS feature itself? What's that? Oh, that's genuine people, personalities. I'll said. Said Arthur. What is it? It says genuine personality features. Oh, said Arthur. Said Arthur. That sounds ghastly. Voice behind him said. It is. The voice was low and helpless and was accompanied by a slight cranking that sound. I span around and saw an object, a stale man, standing hunched in the doorway. 
What? they said. Ghastly, continued Marvin. It always is only ghastly. Just don't even talk. What they said? Ghastly. Oh, it is absolutely ghastly. Just don't even talk about it. Look at this door. He said, seen through it. It was an ordinary circus cut into his voice. Remember later, it mimicked a style of celebration. All the doors in his spaceship have a cheerful and sunny disposition. Then it's, it's their knowledge pleasure to not open for you. It's fashion to close again with the knowledge that you well done, well done. As the doors closed behind came behind them, it came apparent it did have a satisfied sign to quality. Ma it said. Marvin godded it with cold loathing, whilst his logic circus chattered with disgust and tinkled with the concept of detecting physical violence against it. Further circuits cuts is saying, Why bother? What's the matter? Nothing is worth going in further. Circuits moves itself by analysis. The microlocal components of the door and human spaying cells for quick uncle. He measured the level of hydrogen emissions in the surrounding cubic pasture space. They shut down again and bowled them. A spasm despair shook the dot rabbit's body as he turned. Come on, he said. He groaned. I've been ordered to take you into the bridge. Yeah. Further seconds to amuse itself by analysing the medical components of the door. The humanoid brain cells for a quick encore. He measured the level of hydroid emissions in the surrounding cubic prey's space and he shut down again in boredom. A spasm of despair shook the robot's body as he turned. Come on, he droned. I've been ordered to take you down to the bridge. Here I am, a brain the size of a planet. He asked me to take you down to the bridge. Call the job satisfaction, because I don't. He turned and walked back to the behinded door. Uh, excuse me, he said Ford, after him. Which government owns this ship? Marvin ignored him. You watch this door, you mother. It, uh, it's about to open again. I can tell by the end of it. It's smuggling, it suddenly generates. With a little wine, the door still open again, and Marvin stomped through. Come on, he said. The others quickly... Followed quickly, and the door stood set back, placed with pleased little clicks and wells. Thank you for the marking of your vision of the Sunnist Corporation, said Marvin, trudged desperately up the gleaming curved corridor and stretched out the floor. Before them, don't, they don't build with as a general person, people say this. They said they they tried to, to they tried it at me. 
person in person like you can't you can tell can't you I've fallen off and muttered embarrassed little murmured disclaimers I hate that door said Mervyn I've got nothing to, I'm, get, I'm not getting down all you down am I or which government says fall again no government owns it it's been stolen 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 Marvin who by asked Ford. See, it will be something already happened to Ford's face. These five, five entirely separate and distinct expressions of shock, amazement piled up on it, jumbled mess. His last leg was a middle stride, seemed to be a difficulty in finding the floor again. He stared at the robot and tried to entangle some definite metals. Did you be felt, he said weakly. Sorry, did I say something wrong? said Bobby, dragging himself in regardless. Pardon me for breathing. Which I didn't, I never do anyway. So I don't need, don't, don't need any bother to say it. God, I'm so depressed. Isn't he's another one of those self-satisfied problems? Sorry, did I say something wrong? said so Fat Dragon, made himself ungodly. Pardon me for breathing, which I don't never did anyway. I don't need to know why I'm bothered to say it. Oh God, I'm so depressed. Here's another one of those self satisfied doors. Life doesn't mean. Don't talk to me about life. No one ever mentioned it, muttered Arthur. Immediately. Food? Food, are you right? Food stared at him. Did I ever say to you to put the pox? he said. 